We need a plan. Let's play dead. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. This week's episode could also be called How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Pod. You see, it's in the middle of summer, and for most businesses, things slow down. But not for us. Here at the TMBA, behind the scenes, we're pulling together all the planning for our major event that we hold in Bangkok every year. We call it DCBKK, where we bring listeners of this show together from all around the world. And there's just a lot to do. And so generally speaking, in the middle of summer, you know, my energy level for the podcast would wane and it would be like, you know, Wednesday night, I'd be like, oh gosh, what are we going to do this Thursday? And I think the quality really suffered, but also, you know, my enjoyment of the pod really suffered. So last year around this time, I decided to do something about it. We brought in some outside help. So today's episode is really the story of what's been going on behind the podcast and what we've learned by adding a whole new process to the show. We'll be mentioning a handful of resources on this episode. If you'd like to see the show notes, you can check them out at tropicalmba.com slash podcast process. What I'm going to share today is from a talk that I recently gave at one of our conferences aimed at people who have podcasts. It might be interesting if you don't have a podcast and you want to hear some insights on how this show is made, I think it could be relevant for some other things. I'm not going to go on too much about why you might want to have a podcast. What I'm about to share is really going to benefit those of you who want to improve the quality of the content you're creating online. Why would you want to do that? Well, first off, you might want to save some time. Let's just say that. You might want to save some money. You might not want to be grinding out content every week. You might want to find a leveraged way to do that. You can get more results for every hour that you spend creating the content that's going to bring your business customers and the audience that you're seeking. The second thing is an insight from Alex Bloomberg, actually. It's the thesis of Gimlet Media, the company that is revolutionizing podcasting in many ways, I think. Their thesis is essentially this. Let me just (laughs) say it from my perspective, is that the more effort you put into your podcast in terms of narrative storytelling, the more of an audience it will reach. I think both in terms of breadth and depth, and both are important. I don't have stats. I don't have numbers. If you want to go on this ride with me and learn how to create better podcasts, then I guess you got to believe part of that, that if you put more energy into your show, and that doesn't mean your time necessarily, it just could be going about it in a smarter way, that you could earn more trust and a bigger audience. In order to tell you like why I was inspired to make an investment in our show, bring on a real audio engineer, bring on a real producer, someone who had worked at Jane. You can email her, jane at tropicalmba.com. She used to work at the BBC, definitely a world-class expert, taught us most of the things that I'm going to share with you today. But if I say anything dumb, she's not responsible for it. That's all me. So in order to get to this, I think I got to start with a story. And it's a story of one of the episodes that I am most proud of that we've done. And the reason I bring up this episode is because I created it before this new process that I'm going to share with you today. 
So I'm going to share with you today a five-step process on how we create this show. But in order to show you the importance of the five-step process, I think I need to share with you a story from producing the show before this process, okay? So one of the episodes that I was most proud of before we implemented a process and a producer and all these things was called The Power of Under-Optimization. And that podcast was an interview with an entrepreneur named Mark Brenwall. And when I was interviewing producers for the Tropical MBA show, this is one of the shows I would send to them and say, like, I really love this show with Mark Brenwall called The Power of Under-Optimization. I'd love to do more shows like that, bring stories like that to this pod. For those of you that have been listening to the show for a little while, I'll just roll a clip from that episode just to give you a reminder. And for those of you who haven't listened to this episode with Mark Brenwall, I highly recommend going back. It's one of my favorites of all time. For me, I think it was, you know, I was about 40 years old, 39, 40. You know, I was just completely crushed by the whole internet scene in San Francisco. Like, I, it was great when I was in my early 20s, my even my early 30s. And then by the time I was in my late 30s, it was just soul crushing. You know, I had built up this big, expensive lifestyle there. As you could imagine, you know, fancy condo, fancy cars, fancy clothes. And to be honest with you, I just was miserable. You know, I really was miserable and it was hard to admit that. But once that became super clear to me and there was a few life events that happened that made it very obvious, I started to imagine what life could be like if I didn't live there, didn't have to come up with, you know, $3,000 a month in rent. So in my mind at the time, the process for creating that show with Mark Brenwall was, you know, you got to schedule an interview with him. That's about 15 minutes. You got to record the conversation. That's about one hour. You got to send the audio to your editor, you know, with descriptions on how to edit and stuff. So that's like 20 minutes. You know, I got to say, you know, cut out the bit where we talked about that thing that's not relevant or whatever. It takes about 20 minutes. And then the editor more or less does the rest. And, you know, audio editors, you can go anywhere from like top end professional radio editors to virtual assistants in the Philippines. It all depends on, you know, how much editing you want to do and what level of professionalism you want to get. But we had a pretty simple show, a pretty clear way that we wanted it edited. In fact, we cut our teeth on that process many years ago, and we've had the same editor for a few years now. So there can be some complexity in the audio editing portion of it. But today I'm going to talk a little bit more about the front end production process. So we're not going to get into that. So now what the editor does, if you are editing your own show and posting it to the web, yeah, that can take a lot, a lot of time. So I think this all starts by ensuring that you can get someone to edit the show. But today we're going to talk about producing the show, which is a little bit different. Okay, so back to the Mark Brenwall episode. If you would have asked me to estimate how long that took to produce, at the time, I would have said about two hours, right? Because I scheduled the interview, I recorded the conversation, I sent it to the editor, the editor posted on the internet, boom, two hours. Now here's the problem with that. I'm looking at the website right now, tropicalmba.com, and that interview was posted in August 2015. The next month, which was the month before our big event, getting a little busy, getting a little stressed, I only posted two shows. And the next month, I only posted one. Every Wednesday night, at this time we're at like over 300 episodes, I'm just starting to freak out. I'm like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do this week? Because even when I have like a great week with Mark, two hours, I really got a great show. It's like the next Wednesday. I'm still freaking out about how are we going to get a show out? What am I going to talk about that I haven't talked about before? Ugh, this is a grind, okay? And what I didn't realize is that the real process behind having Mark on the show was so much deeper. I'll just list off some things that you had to do. I had to like discover Mark. I had to determine 
that he was interesting. I had to see if he was legit. I had to learn about his backstory. I had to attempt to connect with him. I had to like talk with Mark about his story and find out what's interesting in his story. I had to write a list of questions. I had to do some research. You know, I had to find and schedule a time for a call that worked for both of us. I had to prep for that interview. I had to prep for Mark's technology to make sure he would get good audio. And I had to do the interview. And then a lot of times you do all this stuff and it, it would end up sucking anyway. And this is like where that grind comes in. And the punchline to this story is a lot of that work happened in person casually with Mark in a Starbucks cafe because he was actually a listener to the show. So I met up with them. We're hanging out. And I'm learning about what's interesting about Mark. But this process took hours and hours. And here I am thinking that that episode took two hours. But actually, like the backstory to the episode was hours of us getting to know each other. And in my process, in my production process, I had not accounted for how valuable that was to contributing to a good show. I mean, sure, I could just like look at somebody else who's podcasting on the internet and say like, hey, that person can talk about their stuff. And I could send them an email and say, jump on my pod, I'll jump on your pod. And we could like interview each other from square one. We could do that, you know, and maybe we could do something in two hours. And I think if you have like a really unexplored niche on the internet or whatever, maybe that's interesting enough. But I think in the case of like internet business podcasts, it's just, that's not interesting enough for me. Like, I don't want to do that kind of show. And when I go back and like look at a lot of the shows that we were publishing last year, like I look at seven things to consider when selling your business. I think it was one of the best pods we've ever done on Tropical MBA. It's at tropicalmba.com slash sold. It took Ian over a year to sell the business, right? So the production process of that episode took at least a year. How about the one we published in October of 2015? So you've been asked to speak at a conference. Well, we actually had to speak at a conference or two in order to do that episode. So yeah, it might have taken us two hours like when we sat down with a notepad and turned on the mic. But what about the actual time you spent learning about speaking at a conference? I know this is maybe an obvious point to many people listening, but it actually wasn't to me. I didn't realize that there's a real process behind so many of the things that we share on our shows. And that if you want to get leverage out of that and not be the me who's like freaking out on Wednesday night about what the show is going to be, that getting explicit about it and trying to get other people to help you out is a strategy that you can use to improve your show. So I used to think basically that production was editing and publishing. And what I learned is that producing a podcast, and like if anybody works for the BBC or NPR or Gimlet is listening to this, which I know some of you are actually, as an independent amateur radio person, I never really considered writing, guest discovery, interview prep, research, all these things, right? I think the point is emerging here that these things are a part of what makes podcasts great. And I was trying to do everything myself. So I reached my breaking point and I reached out to this audience for help. And I said, look, I'm sick of procrastinating. I'm sick of nervous Wednesday nights. I'm sick of not putting up episodes because I'm drained. I'm not willing to let this thing go. I mean, we've been doing this show for seven years. And so I started interviewing producers people to help me do the show. And so happy to have met Jane, former BBC producer, Jane Beresford. We'll link up to all her stuff on this so you can take a peek. She brought this process into our show. And I'm going to share it in five steps because that's my style. But I want you to know that these steps aren't sequential. They sort of go around in a little bit of a circle. So they all kind of work together. And I also want to say that I really resisted a lot of these things. Because like so many things in a small business, when you get out of the corporate world, you're like, it's easy to conflate things that you did in your corporate life with things that were pointless and suck. 
a good example is developing processes in your small business, right? It's like, well, I had to do processes at my job. So now that I have my own business, I want just a bunch of creative people doing great work, you know? <laughs> and it's really like the discipline of the process that can set free your creativity. So just listen to the process here. There's really kind of a one magical moment that can set you free. So I'll try to get to that as quick as possible. So start with our five steps. The first step is to have a one hour production meeting every week. This was something that happened ad hoc or informally previously. You know, Ian and I would talk on Monday night. Hey, let's record a pod. Tuesday night. Hey, let's record a pod. Wednesday night. I'm freaking out. I have no idea what to do. So now a days we have a one hour production meeting. We sit down, we have an agenda that we walk through. We get a bunch of of episodes moving. We talk about, you know, what's in progress, what's going to happen next week, what kind of interviews we got to schedule, and it just gets everybody on the team in the same page of what's happening with the show. And it's just that simple, right? It's just a matter of scheduling this and doing it. You might say, okay, well, now you're just adding process, you're adding structure. Well, before I might have thought about this for like six hours a week. I might have worried about it when I was at the gym or whatever. But now it's like, no, I'm going to go to that meeting and that's the time that I'm going to get this stuff done. We're going to critique our previous episodes. We're going to brainstorm episode concepts and we're going to set our action items. What's Dan got to do? What's Jane got to do? What's Ian got to do? What's our editor? Arison has to do. All right. Step number two. Our meeting happens on Tuesday, by the way. Two days later on Thursday, every week, Ian and I have a two-hour recording session and a lot of times, you know, honestly, we just make fun of each other, make fun of our friends, joke around about stuff. But the idea here is that we're in a rhythm of trying to put podcasts to tape. Every week, we're creating assets for the show in a structured environment. So we're going to sit down and we're going to try to record a segment like this. This is part of that two-hour session. We're going to try to record voiceovers for interviews that we've already recorded. So the idea is that we sit down, start with the hardest stuff first. You know, if you have to do two episodes, like generally it's way easier to like introduce a guest, you know, to your show. Like this week I did an interview with, you know, so-and-so this week. So generally we say that for the end of the recording session, the beginning would try to do something like this. Like what you're hearing right now is really hard for me to do. And in fact, it's not any easier than when I, I used to like sneak to my old office because it was like completely quiet in the suburbs. And I would sit in there with my call center headset and like talking to my computer. I probably did like seven episodes before we ever published a TMBA podcast because I had like no idea what to do. And I still don't really. So it never really gets easier. You know, on Tuesday, we're like prepping for like what our action items are during this two hour recording session. And on Thursday, we're just trying to lay down tape. On this podcast, the tape that we're trying to lay down looks like one of two things. It looks like voiceovers and like intros and outros. So like, hey, you know, this is what we're going to talk about today. And then like sometimes we'll come in and do segments, which in our case is often a five bullet point list. You know, right now, hopefully you're thinking Dan's on point number two of the process, which is schedule a two hour recording session every week. So you can look forward to points three, four and five. Sometimes audio can kind of all blend together. So in our case, our segments are five points. There's no best format. I think, you know, you got to play around with that and figure out what works for your show. Step number three, try to do one interview every week. Get yourself in a habit. And we love to batch this with our Tuesday calls, but get yourself in a habit of like just getting someone. Hopefully you'll see at the end, like how this all works together, but Get yourself in a rhythm of it doesn't matter if they're going to come on the show that week or if you need something or just like every week you interview somebody for the show. All right. Now, point number four, 
And this is what I would call the dragon key, the key that opens all the doors. This is the step that I resisted when I first heard about it, but it has really made all the difference. I didn't really understand it at the time. Here's what it is. Transcribe every segment and interview immediately after having done it. Giving this talk at our Barcelona event to a small group of podcasters, one gentleman said to me, you just made the whole trip worth it just to hear this point. Maybe you'll be able to relate to this gentleman and hear why this point was so valuable to him. I certainly didn't see it until Jane brought it to us. Okay, so here's how it works. You transcribe every segment in an interview immediately after you do it. So I'm standing in my office right now, talking into my Zoom H6. When I'm done, I'm going to upload this entire recording to a service that transcribes it. Now there's many different services. Currently, we're using rev.com, rev.com, which is excellent. Now, why am I going to do that? I think before I say that, it's important to make a distinction. There's public transcripts, and then there's production transcripts. Public transcripts are something that we've resisted for many years because of the expense. Public transcripts are posted underneath your podcast post. It's like, this is what was said on this podcast. Now, for many years, I resisted it because I was like, well, I'm going to spend an extra 50 bucks to like post up a bunch of words that's just going to allow people to like skim our episode, skim our show. And what Jane said to me was, well, that's how journalists will get quotes from you. And that was like the argument that swayed me, you know, because a lot of people over the years would say things like, I don't like to listen to your show, but I want to scan it or whatever. And I would just kind of be like, well, you know, I don't want to spend the money to facilitate you not listening to the show which I think is a pretty stubborn mindset. I guess it's reprehensible, but I had it. So that's one of the emotions I had about it. But, you know, because it's like, it's not like it's like this most super profitable thing, right? And I understand that people don't have huge budgets to do podcasts. And I just thought, you know, if you're just not into audio, maybe you're just not into the show. Like that's part of like me being a purist about this. I'm doing it because I'm a radio person. And if you don't like radio, then maybe just go to the next website. So what do production transcripts do? They turn every conversation into an asset. And those assets become the building block of a show. So let's say, for example, you have your two-hour recording session. You record a segment. You immediately upload it to Rev.com. And instead of having a 30-minute blob of audio, you have a transcript of exactly everything that was said during that 30 minutes. And that's going to become an asset for you. And you'll see in point number five. Fifth step of the production process, you got all these interviews, you got all these voiceovers, you got all these segments, and you got all these transcripts. And now you're going to pull it all together. And this is really what I would call like the Neo Matrix moment. What transcripts allow you to do is literally to get on the very same page with your producer and your editor in a granular way. I'll give you an example of the Matt Farah interview that Ian did a few weeks ago. You know, Matt Farah was telling like a really interesting story about how he grew his YouTube channel based on his passion for cars. And, you know, in any interview, people are going to say things that don't directly contribute to the narrative. The problem is, is like if you send, say, a 45 minute interview to your editor and you're like, you know what, like Matt was like a little bit he got off track in the middle there. Could you just like get rid of that part? Well, if you have a transcript of that, right? Cost you a dollar a minute. You pull up your transcript or your producer can do this, you know, but this is something that anybody can do. You read through the interview and you just swipe out, change the color of the words, like turn them to red or whatever. You turn them to red and say like, this paragraph here, cut it out. It doesn't contribute to the narrative. And this is what 
to go back to the top of the episode, this is what Alex Bloomberg is talking about by like, look, if your audio is going to be listened to by 40 of your best friends, then like, yeah, like let people ramble. But if your audio is going to be listened to 40,000 people or 4,000 people even, maybe it's worth taking the time to omit things that don't directly lead to the narrative or deliver the story that your listeners are looking for. And we all know, we can all relate to this, right? Like kind of enduring rambling answers, or maybe you're enduring me right now. Having a production transcript gives you the power to, in a very specific way, go in and rearrange, cut out the things that aren't going to contribute to the show eventually. So just to review, the five-step process is number one, a one-hour production meeting every week. And even if this is just you, you might have a team, you might not. If it's just you, I still think instead of stressing about it for many hours, just sit down for one. Number two, schedule a two-hour recording session every week. Number three, record an interview every week with somebody. Step number four, create a production transcript of every single segment and interview that you create. Step number five, pull it all together using those production transcripts. In other words, create a script for both your presenters and your audio editor using the transcripts themselves. And you can use this like by color coding, for example, like, you know, move this paragraph down to here or delete anything that's in red. And so depending on the level of sophistication, you can build that out on your own. And what does this change? Like the first thing it changed for us is that we haven't missed an episode since we implemented this process. So missing episodes was a big problem. And I think it's a big problem for people that are trying to create shows. And we simply haven't missed an episode since we've done this knock on wood. Another thing that it does is it allows you to salvage interviews that you might not have published in the past. So if you're trying to improve the quality of your show, one of the obstacles that you'll run into is that a lot of the people that you prep for, you schedule, you show up, everything kind of works out right in the pre-process that they'll kind of just not explain themselves that well, or they might be nervous, or they might take a long time to tell their story. You know, there's two different ways it could go. You could be on the phone with them for like an hour trying to get something good and just being like, eh, it didn't really work. Or you could kind of bail early. I know there's like other podcasters out there that like, have you ever like been on the phone with someone for like, you know, 15 minutes and you're just kind of like, or 10 minutes even, and you're just like, whoa, I don't think this is going to work. This sort of avoids that issue altogether because if you take the time, you can generally always get something interesting about the people that you're interviewing. Now, keep in mind, because you had a weekly production meeting, you know all the topics that are coming up. So maybe this person isn't going to be like some feature interview in the middle of your show. But why couldn't this person comment on a topic that you have coming up? You know you have a podcast about real estate coming up. You could say, hey, just want to ask you a question. Do you own any real estate? I'm curious as to your thoughts about blah, blah, blah. And just keep poking, poking, poking around, spending time with your interviewees. And because you have the facility to quickly and easily cut out huge portions of the conversation and maybe summarize them with a quick voiceover. So instead of, you know, what will commonly happen nowadays is, you know how like you get on an interview with somebody and you like, hey, so where are you from? You know, how'd you start your first business? Like what inspired you? All that kind of stuff. Like, okay, you get warmed up with that person. Traditionally, what podcasters do is they publish that. What with this new method of having a production transcript, you could literally like X out the first 25 minutes of the interview and write a one paragraph summarization of their biography. So that's like the kind of time and energy savings that you can experience if you have a production transcript. And 
you don't have to get rid of the interview. Whereas in the past, you might be like, uh, that person wasn't compelling or articulate enough. You essentially create a much greater density in that interview by doing voiceovers. And if you ask them about other topics, you can use that asset in the future because it's not a blob of audio. It's an actual text asset that you can move around quite easily. One of the examples we did this, if you remember like the David Hanemeyer Hansen interview, Tropical MBA 326, Ian and I saw the power of this while we were talking to Wade Forster, the CEO of Zapier. At the end of the interview, we were like talking to Wade about remote teams and he was super compelling, very articulate, charismatic person. But at the end of the interview, like Ian did something that was based on this production transcript concept that I found really powerful. He said, hey, Wade, I know you guys like recently took VC. Can I ask you a little bit about that? And now normally like that would just be an extra long interview or, you know, we just have like a little non sequitur part about funding at the end. But instead, what Ian was doing was gathering an asset from Wade about a future episode that he knew we were going to do about VC. And so if you're going to take the time to like get to know somebody, get on the phone with them, schedule interviews, all this stuff, why not get assets that you could use in the future? In fact, from DHH himself, we have future banked assets on the topic of automobiles. So we want to do an episode about automobiles someday. We have that asset in our shared folder. So there's a folder that's about automobiles. And we asked DHH a series of questions about automobiles. It's never been on the podcast before. In the past, I might have just published like one giant, you know, two hour interview. And maybe that's okay for certain shows. But in, in our case, we're trying to stick to a topic, we're trying to stick to a narrative. And it gives us a lot more power in terms of utilizing that hard energy that we put into that. It's not just going to hit the cutting room floor that could potentially be used in the future because we have an asset in place that's mobile that we can utilize. Now, this changed the show in another way because a lot of people are saying, oh, well, now you guys are getting like much more interesting guests or different sorts of guests. The truth is, is that before this process, I was more or less interviewing my friends, like people that I knew because that was like the quote process that I used to vet people. Having a producer in place specifically and someone specifically to help vet people, help pre-interview people, help reach out to people has immensely changed the quality of the guests that we can bring on the show. You'll notice with a lot of shows, like, you know, maybe they're not interviewing their friends, but they're interviewing people that are like well known in the podcast sphere or whatever. People are always going on to each other's shows. And part of the reason people do that is like because they're a known quantity. Like if someone else is a podcaster too, like you can just jump on the horn with them and quickly record an interview. But if you're trying to up-level your show, bring new stories to your audience, it helps to have this process in place. One other thing it's done is it's changed the amount of pressure that I put on myself. Like when Ian and I used to record podcasts, we used to throw out podcasts a lot. I used to always feel like, you know, the Vince Vaughn character in Swingers. He's like this funny, charismatic, like he's just always on, like that annoying friend that you have that's just like always trying to crack a joke. You know, you got these claws and you're staring at these claws, man. You're thinking to yourself with these claws. You're thinking, man, how am I supposed to kill this bunny? And you're how am I supposed it, to man. kill you're this bunny? Yeah, you're not hurting it. You're just kind of gently batting the bunny around. You know what I mean? And the bunny's scared, Mike. The bunny's scared of you. And I kind of felt like that when we would do shows, like always have to have this intensity, like always, especially during interviews, it can be pretty toxic, right? Because you're always trying to like keep the conversation moving. And if your interviewee like takes a little bit of time, you like jump in and try to save them and everything. And because we have the production transcripts, I can kind of hang back. I can let space happen. If they don't answer my question right away, I'll just wait. If they give me a bad answer, I don't need to like 
share my perspective or like ask them the question. I can just basically hang back and continue to prod around and seek for interesting stories. And it's just completely changed the level of pressure or anxiety that I have when I come into an interview because instead of trying to like have an interesting conversation from soup to nuts, all I'm trying to do is get some interesting assets from them, some interesting stories. That might take an hour, it might take an hour and a half. And if at the end of the day we get 15 minutes out of it, that would be worth it. That would be totally fine. Whereas in the past, it was completely impossible to edit. It would have been so expensive for us to edit that down that we might have just aired the whole conversation or thrown it away altogether. Okay, so we're entrepreneurs, so let's talk a little bit about time and money. I estimate that a 30-minute Tropical MBA podcast takes about 25 hours. This is an interesting equation. If you were to look at Gimlet's podcasts, which are much more popular than ours, I wonder what their estimation would be, you know? So I know that there's podcasts out there that put two hours, two hours for a 30-minute show. So it's like the four-to-one ratio of time, right? Ours is 25 hours to 30 minutes, and that's including everybody on the team. And then you look at things like Gimlet, This American Life, stuff like that, huge audience. You're looking at hundreds of hours, hundreds and hundreds of hours in each 30-minute episode. Yeah, that can get expensive, I guess. But here's the interesting bit. From an entrepreneurial perspective, I don't really think it's ever been less than 25 hours a week because at the beginning, I used to do about 22 hours a week. It literally took me half the week because it took me a full day to edit and publish a show. So there's eight hours. And let's just toss another 10 on there. And you get up to 22 pretty quick and you toss in three for Ian and you're at 25 hours a week. Now, essentially what we've done is we distributed that time. And again, the production transcripts are so critical because they allow you to bring in a producer. And that's a writer. That's somebody who looks at the transcripts of everything you did and edits them down. Says like, look, this bit is off narrative. You need to clarify this term. That's not clear what you're talking about there. You need to add a voiceover or a YouTube clip that explains what's going on here. Or you just need to cut out this whole bit of the conversation. This is an editor, a writer, somebody that you can bring in to take a look at your interviews, take a look at your segments and get them down to the essential bits. That's what we used to do, and now Jane helps us with that. But more or less, the 25 hours that goes in the show has now been distributed on our team across four people. But again, you can distribute this stuff any way you want. I heard that This American Life costs $4 million a year to produce. The Tropical MBA costs about 50000 not including Ian and my time. It's definitely not cheap. I love to like do one of those things. I love simplicity. You know, Just do this, just do that. This is a little bit harder. It's not so easy to produce a show every week. You know, maybe it's just a matter of answering an FAQ every week, doing something simple, starting there and working your way up or or not. I don't know. But I wanted to do a show and I still want to do a show. So that's why we're investing some money in it. And look, if NBR can make their money back, you're an entrepreneur. I don't see any reason why you can't eventually find a way to fund your show. There's a lot of podcasters out there doing it. You don't have to look so hard to find people that are making a full-time living, making a, a show worth listening to. And I think that what we've talked about today makes it way easier to make a show worth listening to. I hope you enjoyed that one. It's a little bit different of an episode. It's funny. Now, you can hear a little bit meta. I actually just read the episode. So I recorded this episode last week. Okay. I had a free afternoon. 
flipped on the mic and I actually recorded two long segments. I also just was reviewing on the cutting room floor. We have a big, long story about why I even got inspired to podcast in the first place. So we're taking a look at what we can do with that story, if at all. So I just read over the transcript of this. And originally when I recorded, I was like, yeah, that's pretty crappy, actually. I don't know if we should publish that. But I think specifically when Jane went in and helped to mold it a little bit better that, you know, we can actually use this. So my afternoon didn't go to waste. More importantly, I didn't spend all week stressing out about whether or not this was going to be an app. The key thing here is that we're putting out an episode every week. What happened last year is I got to the point where I just started grinding on it. I was worried. I wasn't doing any planning. I didn't have a process. It started taking way too much time for a lower quality product. Also, the punchline to a lot of this is having a team, having a business partner like Ian, who is inspiring and funny, having a great producer like Jane. And I got to give a shout to our editor, Arison. You can check out his work at arisonkane.com. That guy's really up to his game too. What up, Arison? Yeah, so I really just, I'm loving doing the show and I, I'm in such a better place with this than I was last year. I'm glad I reached out and asked for help on the blog and I'm glad you're all still here listening. We're going to keep cracking at this thing. So what else do I got to say? Oh yeah, tropicalmba.com slash podcast process. You got any podcast process tips you want to share with me? You want to talk podcasting? I'll be in the comments and we'll be back next Thursday morning. I hope you join us then. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.